You are listening to Read It, Roll It, Hole It. He's two putts from victory. Only needs one. Welcome, golfers, of the Read It, Roll It, Hole It podcast. Today we have a, a very special guest with us who's uh, certainly not uh, shy of uh, coming onto a camera and speaking, is uh, Mr. Rick Shields. Welcome, Rick. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. So for the, for the bio for you, Rick, in case somebody doesn't know who you are, you're obviously a, a dad, proud dad, uh, a PGA uh, coach, and you create loads of videos for YouTube and social media all over the world. And you've got over a million subscribers on YouTube. I think you've just nailed it. And that, that's probably the order that I would think about it as well. I feel like Obviously, when I wake up every day, I'm a dad first. I look after, you know, the kids and obviously my wife as well. But we've got three young children, um, proud PGA golf professional and started making videos online about eight years ago. And like I say, you know, platforms now on on YouTube is my biggest platform. But, you know, Facebook is doing incredible at the moment. Instagram, Twitter, TikTok as well is a new kind of platform that I've delved into. Know nothing about yet, but started to kind of... Uh, dive into tiktok a little bit because it's the it's the trendy platform to be on at the moment it certainly is yeah how's that going on tiktok you're getting you're smashing it um it's a really weird one because it's tiktok is a platform that's predominantly singing and dancing and i'm not singing and dancing on there so it's trying to it's trying to find an audience it's a super super young audience and it's it's a funny one actually because a lot of my audience on youtube facebook twitter etc is very very male dominant as golf is you know it's probably 95 percent male dominant and of an age between kind of 25 to 34 is my main age demographic and then 35 to 44 this is on youtube facebook and twitter mm-hmm. jump over to tiktok and suddenly i'm talking to you know under 24 year olds and now it's it's actually a mixture of males and females which is an audience i don't speak to normally so it's it's a different audience i'm trying to make golf look cool i'm trying to make it look interesting i'm trying to make it look fun and if if a percentage of my followers i think i've just managed to get over a hundred thousand followers on there uh, so far if you know even if just a percentage looks at golf in a different light and goes you know what golf's pretty cool it's not the boring sport that my dad plays I'm looking at it and going, actually, this looks pretty neat. This looks, I might go to Top Golf, I might go to Driving Range or whatever it may be and give golf a try. And if, uh, if, if that's my purpose on TikTok, then I'm happy to continue it and entertain it for as long as uh, it's still available, certainly in the USA anyway. Happy days. Good stuff. Good stuff. Is that part of um, your sort of uh, your legacy or your journey is to, to sort of get golfers into the game? It's a funny one you ask that because. I wouldn't say, I don't go around boasting that I'm going to grow the game. I see a lot of people say that, those, that phrase and that, that, you know, expression. I don't say that because fundamentally, I don't know how to do it. Like I've not got an ingredient to say, this is how you grow the game. And if I did, if I had a plan of attack to say, this is how I grow, I envision that, you know, I single-handedly could have an influence on growing the game. I would say I'm growing the game, but I don't. But on the flip side, I do know I do have influence on people playing golf because I've seen it in the comments section on my videos where, you know, people say, you know, I'm not even into golf, but I watched this video and really enjoyed it. And then hmm. that same person might comment and, uh, uh, you know, a couple of months later and go, believe it or not, after watching that video for the first time, I've now decided to go to the driving range with a friend of mine. And then a couple of months later, you might see the same because you, you might recognize usernames and stuff. And it might be, 
hey rick watch your videos three months ago wasn't into golf now down the line i'm you know i've been out and played my first round of golf i've bought a cheap set of clubs i'm thinking about joining the golf club and you think wow like that's cool like i can't i can't put a, a quantification on how many people have said that to me but i do know it's it's a part of the comment section etc so and to answer, long-winded answer it's not my primary you know legacy goal Mm. but I would be incredibly proud if it was an area of um, my, my future development, that that becomes a role of mine. And again, going back, if I had the answers, if I knew how to grow the game, definitely I would be right up there at the first of the, of the queue to say, I'm going to help, you know, develop and grow this game. Um, so I do it indirectly. I would like to do it a little bit more directly once I figure out what the, what the secret formula is quite often growing the game can be a, some, you know, a phrase people just chuck out there. And I like the fact you, you, cause you're saying you haven't got like a, a plan or the, this hidden ingredient on it. You're not sort of shouting and boasting about it. So that's cool. Yeah. Like I said, I've seen a lot of people say it, but they, you know, if I quiz them on it, how do you do that? They don't know. Mm-hmm. And that's okay. You don't need to know, but maybe then hold back on the fire that the, the comment that you're going to grow the game. Cause in my opinion, unless you know how to grow it, don't say you're going to grow it in my, you know, but that's just my personal take on it. Yeah, no, I'd agree. That's cool. Rick, take us back um, to your sort of early days from when you first turned professional into 2007 to, to now being, you know, you've produced over 2000 videos and you've had over, excuse me, 345 million views. Sorry, that a big old uh, word there which uh, <laughs> that's a pretty that must make you proud when someone says 345 yeah i mean obviously it's taken many years to get to that number and and i remember my very first view and i remember my first 100 views and 1000 views you know all of these little milestones along the way a million views 10 million views so even though yeah that's a, a big number how i got to that very you know very much started when I, when I first started my YouTube channel. Um, but yeah, you're right. So PJ Pro, was it, did you say 2007? Is that when I qualified? Uh, 2010 is when you qualified. So I guess you turned pro in 2007. Oh, there you go. I, I forgot that. So 11 years <laughs> I've been, I've been a, a qualified pro for. Um, I, you know, I, I wanted to, once I'd taken on the PGA training, I wanted to be a coach. That was my, you know, my primary goal. Um, managed to land myself a pretty nifty job at um, a really nice golf course in in Nutsford. It's called the Mere Golf and Country Club. Had some wonderful tutors there. Natalie Adams and Peter Eyre were, were the professionals I was working under. And I really found myself with a huge passion of coaching. I love coaching kids. I love coaching new golfers. Um, fast forward a couple of years, I moved on to um, a full-time teaching job at the, at the uh, Trafford Golf Centre in Manchester, one of the busiest driving ranges in, in the country, if not the world, if I'm honest. Um, again, great guidance there under another pro called Pete Stiles. Uh, but I was one of four pros there and I wanted to make, make a name for myself. I wanted to be busy. I wanted to be, you know, um, I wanted to be making money. Let's be honest, you know, that's what we get into, you know, that's our career. It's our business at the end of the day. So I started, um, thinking about ways of being able to promote myself as a golf coach um, thought very kind of uh, locally first at like magazines or newspapers or whatever that may be. But because I've always been a big fan of social media and always been a big fan of, um, you know, 
acting to some degree. I actually did acting, you know, at school and really enjoyed it, drama and obviously golf. I kind of blended those three skill sets, so to speak, into into what I didn't know at the time, but ended up becoming my new career. You know, I wanted to get into social media to promote myself as a golf coach. That was the only objective of it. It was a free way of advertising. And then fast forward a few years when, you know, the monetarization switched on onto social media, it was like, oh, actually, maybe this could become a career path that I didn't know existed. Fascinating. You say, um, you, you say that, um, you know, you had a real passion for coaching. Where does that passion come from? It was more the fact that when I first turned pro, as many of us, when we first turned pro, I wanted to be a player. Like that's what we all think about. It's what we all dream about at 18, 19 year old. And, you know, you think you're going to potentially break through, you know, whatever that may be. I think once I realized I wasn't good enough, that was, that was the big thing for me. Once I realized I wasn't good enough to be a player, I was really, you know, it, it was a tough pill to swallow, but very valuable one is I realized, hold on what can I do next? Because I still want golf to be my job. I still want golf to be my livelihood. So um, again, working at Mia under Natalie Adams, who, who had built up a fantastic uh, coaching uh, academy with juniors and beginners and lady golfers. I looked at that and thought, you know what? That looks great. Like I saw her coming in every weekend, you know, surrounded by kids and happy faces and you know great testimonials and great comments from students saying wow you know that that was that was amazing what you helped you know do to my golf game how you made me a better golfer and hearing all those comments and those words and you know having that that busy academy and also seeing the business side of it as well thinking okay this could work as a business really made me kind of think you know I've really could look into this and and uh, you know i want those accolades i want those nice testimonials those nice comments because i think i'm a good communicator i think i can coach really well i know what i'm saying and you know i get on with with youngsters and juniors and you know uh, kids and ladies and beginners and i thought let's dive into that so as soon as i started to strap on my teaching boots and really get stuck into it i, th- I thoroughly enjoyed it and and kind of never looked back since who um who are your sort of biggest mentors you mentioned natalie there but from like a um a coaching mentors who 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 have you done most of your learning from over over the years it, it probably was natalie and, and also pete styles at Trafford golf center um it, it was more hands hands on modeling obviously read loads of books um you know from the famous coaches like Ledbetter and Hank Haney and Harvey Pennick and, you know, read them all pretty much and took little bits of information out from there. Even, even dived into, you know, the theory of stack and tilt, even though I didn't coach stack and tilt, I wanted to understand what I liked about the method and what I maybe I didn't like about the method. Um, so I, I kind of always looked into every avenue of coaching um, and never professed and never still do profess that I know it all. There's always stuff, new stuff to learn as everybody, you know, a good coach should, you know, should know. Um, and then really just out on the driving range, teaching students. Like, I don't think there's a better way of learning how to coach than being out and coaching students and seeing results and, and you know working on your craft what what level of communication worked there how did how did that student take on board that information how can i use that information and maybe you know um 
use it again with a different student and how would that work so you know lots of different inspiration but i think nothing beats you know hard graft on the practice ground you know teaching students how to play better golf 100 percent. and do you feel like you um like on the early days especially you, you perhaps like don't want to admit this or maybe but you hurt a lot more people than you helped initially um i, I think <clears throat> i one thing I did really well is I shadowed a lot first. So I did a lot of shadow coaching um, and, and, I, and I very much took baby steps into it. So, you know, teaching kids where, you know, not that you can't go wrong, but uh, you can learn your craft a little bit more there because they're so receptive to information. So, you know, my reins were very tightly on, on lock when I was teaching the juniors in the fact that, you know, I could afford maybe to say that the things that, you know, I learned not to say again, and I don't mean that as, you know, foul language or anything, but levels of communication that I could learn from. So I think, I, I think it was the right, I, I wasn't, I didn't jump into the deep end too soon. So I learned my craft with juniors, beginners, students that, you know, it was okay to, you know, learn and, and, you know, master your craft in that sort of setting really. And um, how do you continue to learn your craft? Who who do you speak to? Who's your, have you got like mentors now to, to go to? And like, you know, as you said, as coaches, we're always looking to evolve and improve. What, where do you go to, to get that information? And how do you even find the time to do it, man? <laughs> I, you know, I'm not, I'm not maybe as, as dedicated in, in studying different philosophies as much as anymore. Uh, and again, probably just a time constraint, but also for me, I very much try and deliver my coaching online in the simplest form possible. So I feel like if, you know, if I was really trying to dive into levels of extra coaching philosophies and theories, that that might conflict how I deliver my you know, videos to, to the masses really, because I see, I see coach or pe I see teaching, let's say as there's two different types of teachers. I see somebody who, who is a golf coach who coaches people, who is a great communicator, who can get the message across and, and can really, you know, get the best out of their student with the information that they're telling them, but the way they tell them, I think that's very, very important. And then I believe there's a teaching idea of, of this, a golf scientist now a golf scientist will know every single finer detail of every single part of the golf swing to the to the you know nearest degree and that's great there's a place for that but again you might limit your student capabilities because the way that you deliver that that information is still unbelievably important so for me i i i feel like i deliver I'm always trying to learn how to deliver my information better as opposed to trying to fill my brain with more information, if that makes sense. Totally. Yeah. I, I agree that the, the best coaches I've seen um, are certainly the best communicators as well. That's such a, a key skill. Mm, huge. Talking of communication and uh, you know, you make your content simple. How do you tailor obviously your audience is massive. Okay. You know, they're typically between 30 and 50 and gents but ability wise they could be all abilities in there how do you tailor your content to the the eight the, the scratch golfer to the 100 shooter and everyone in between i think it's it, it's looking for let's let's say 
and I've, I've kind of used this analogy a little bit before. If if you're ill, you'll go to the to the doctors or the, the chemists and say, you know, I've got this, this, and this symptom. And the doctor and the chemist might go, okay, you need this specific prescription. And it's, and it's very unique and it's very tailored to your exact symptoms. You need to take that in a very, very particular way that that's going to help you be, become better. That's going to help you feel better. Now, that type of prescription and that type of detail tailored, you only get that from in-person coaching. Please. So I don't deliver that really, you know, super, super tailored, accurate prescription to students. I more go for the, the aspirin, the painkiller, the paracetamol, the ibuprofen. That's my type of mass you know, the cough medicine that really tries to tailor for the majority, even though I know it's not going to fix everybody's finer, finer details because there are such fine details in, you know, golf swings and the problems that people have. So when I'm trying to deliver a coaching video, I'm very aware of that. So I won't make a super, super, super tailored prescription that I know would only really suit a small minority of my audience because there's a level of also responsibility because if I put a video out there that is super, super specific to that, that type of golfer, if, you know, my, my videos average about 400,000 views, I know that's not going to suit all those golfers. In fact, it's going to suit very, very little percentage of them. So if I know 400,000 people are going to watch, I want to be able to give the prescription, the medicine, the, the instruction that's going to give the best um, effect for that amount of mass people. Does that make sense? Totally. Yeah, totally. It's a nice, um, nice way of looking at it as well. So yeah, that, that's good. Thank you. What's, um, what keeps you going, Rick? Where, and like, what keeps you going? Obviously not saying you made it, but like Yossi, um, you know, you've got a blue tick on your name on Instagram, <laughs> but no, like what, um, what keeps you going and, and where do you see yourself and your brand going next? Good question. Actually, it's something we've been discussing today with my team. So I've got four members of staff and we relentlessly work at our craft. You know, we, we really are super passionate. Um, we are always trying to become better whether that's the way that we deliver a video, whether it's the way we film it, whether it's the way we edit it, you know, we're always trying to become better than what we were previously. I always think of this analogy. If someone said to me, tell me your best three videos, I would love to, and I can't always say it, but I would love to say my best three videos are my last three videos. Like they're my best videos. They're the best ones that I edited or we had edited. They're the best ones that, you know, we filmed, the best ones we delivered, the best idea, the best concept, the best storytelling. It's not always possible, but that's something we're always trying to, you know, work on. Now, what drives me is, is you know, in my head, you, you mentioned that I've made it. I see myself being a long way from that. Like, I really do. When, you know, and, and I understand from, if you look at the numbers, you stack up everything, you'll be thinking, oh my God, like, it, this this the numbers are far beyond everyone else. But if you look at it in the grand scheme of things, the 63 million golfers in the world. And I genuinely believe I make content that 63 million golfers around the world would enjoy. Um, 
uh, maybe not everybody, but you know, as much as I can. So whether it's from my coaching videos, whether it's from my entertainment videos, my, my club reviews, whatever it may be, I feel like there's, there's content on there that if you are, if you like golf and you're not too offended by me, you would enjoy the video. But then also I look outside of the 63 million golfers and think, well, actually I also make content for non-golfers and, and I do that a lot. So maybe the, po the pool is maybe a hundred million people. So if I'm dead honest with you, and this sounds like a really crazy answer, but that's kind of where I would say that's, that's golf media complete. If I'm, you know, if I'm talking to a hundred million people on a weekly, monthly basis, that's when I think, okay, yeah, we've, we've done pretty well. But at the moment, the numbers are pretty impressive, but I do believe there's much, much more room for growth. I really, really do. I'm super passionate about that. Brilliant. I like that. So that's the ultimate dream, is it, to get to, yeah. To... You know, I don't want to be misquoted on this or, you know. Sure. It, it, it's, it's, not, it's not something that I've got, you know, stamped up above my bed and I wake up every morning. I'm super passionate about every single day that I do because I love golf. I get to call golf my job. I get to make fantastic videos. I get to, you know, read fantastic comments. Um, you know, all of that is what drives me every single day. I've got a business, I've got team to, you know, keep busy. You know, it's a full, you know, fledged business that we operate and we run. Um, so that absolutely drives me. But if, we, if they was looking at end goals, whatever that may look like, I don't really know because there is no blueprint ahead of me, let's say, in, certainly in golf, is I don't know what the number is. But if I just use logic to try and work out what the end goal is, that's what I env potentially envision. And that might be five years, 10 years, 20 years. I don't know. But I can't see any reasons why we can't potentially get to those type of numbers. Potentially, I don't know. Brilliant. Well, I think, uh, you know, the, the content's great. And I love the variety, as you say, I think it's not too one dimensional. It's not just teaching. It's, you know, you do your product reviews, you're playing, you're, you're, you're me not messing around, but your fun ones as well. Yeah, yeah. And I well, think that, it's that's good. That's what, and that's what I enjoy making. I always think to myself, if, if it's a video that I would enjoy watching and I've enjoyed making, that's a good video. So it, it, it's, it's content that I know I would enjoy if I was a viewer. Um, and, and if I know I've enjoyed making it, typically that, that comes out in the product, the end products as well. Totally. What is your, um, favorite content? Is it the fun stuff to film? Like obviously of all the different types. I like doing things different and I like experimenting with new types of content. So some pieces of content that we filmed where they might not have got the best views, they might not have got the best, you know, reception but it's but it's experimenting with something different so for example a couple of years ago i went over to lumina for the european tour um final qualifying stage and we were there for two days and we filmed basically a mini documentary and we followed the journey of six golf professionals who were playing in the final round of final qualifying for the european tour and we basically monitored their either success or failure and it's a video that we really, really loved making. Like we got to be in the heart of a European tour, like the passion that we saw on that couple of days shoot of people, you know, triumphs and failures and highs and lows and expectations and optimism compared to, you know, um, the, the disappointment when people didn't get through. It's one of my favorite ever pieces of content. Yeah it didn't do great on views for whatever reason, because people maybe weren't as passionate about it potentially. Mm. The other, the other 
type of content, which is a dead weird one for me. And, and like my coaching content, I'm a coach, you know, that, that is where I've come from. That's in my, that's in my roots. That's in my blood. I love coaching people and I do it now online. I don't particularly do it in person anymore, but I do it online. Now, when I release a coaching video, it very rarely does very well on views in the first week or two weeks. So I know that now I've become, you know, that's okay. What I'll typically do though, is after let's say six months, I'll go back on that video and read through the comments and the comments are just unbelievable. Like you literally, you, we talked about those tests. Why did I get into coaching in the first place? It was for those testimonials. It was for those lovely comments, those um, endorphins that we get after you've done, delivered a great coaching session, as you will know. Mm. And I can sit there and read hundreds of these testimonials and think, holy crap, this is cool. Like this is like when I first released that video, it didn't do great. It, you know, it, it's not like we got the most views, but I can look back at it in six months and go, you know what? That piece of content helped a lot of bloody people enjoy golf more. That That is my coach. In, the coach in me just literally fills up with, with um, a, a satisfaction, which again, we look at job satisfaction. That's something that really, you know, fills up my tank of positivity and satisfaction that, that drives me continue to make, you know, more videos that, that help more golfers around the world. Brilliant. That's good. That's good to hear that, Greg. I like that. And it's um, I think with your coaching videos, you hit those pain points, don't you, of those golfers who are struggling maybe. And, you know, you give them one little thing to take away and, and improve and it makes hell of a difference. And they're, they're buzzing from it. And, yeah. and, they're, and they're really grateful for it. You know, that that's where a lot of my subscribers come from. They come from the coaching videos because people are like, you know what, you gave me something for free there. You've you've given me a piece of information for free. I have taken that information on board because of the way you communicated it. I've put it into my own game and I saw improvement. I, I hit the ball better. I'm having more fun with my golf. You made that happen. Therefore I want to reward you by following you or giving you a nice comment or whatever it may be, because you know, not a lot of things in life are free anymore. So, you know, I think that really does carry a lot of weight in the viewer when they've come from a coaching video, especially. I love that you can help so many people as well. Like if you're one-to-one -one coaching, you can only help a certain amount of people, right? But well, that's um, it. It's crazy. Yeah, it's mad. So no, that's cool. Who's the um? Who's like the coolest guy or, or lady that you've um that you've worked with or uh, did shot shot a video with, Rick? Well, there's a couple. One of my favourites ever, and I've done a couple of videos with him is Paul Sturges. Right. Um, now Paul Sturges is seven foot seven and a half inches. Wow. So he's the tallest man in Europe and we couldn't see any evidence that didn't make him the tallest golfer in the world. So he is the tallest golfer in the world, right? I love making videos with him for a number of reasons. One, because he's just a, a beast of a man. I mean, seven foot, seven and a half inches. I'm six foot and he is towering above me. <laughs> now that's great. And, and that novelty doesn't massively ever wear off. But then on the flip side, he is the nicest human being, nicest, let's say, celebrity, public figure, whatever it may be, I have ever, ever met. And it's amazing because he gets he gets more attention than anybody else I ever film with. He gets more people wanting pictures with anyone else I ever film with. You know, I, I ran a golf day last year, the, the YouTube golf day, where we had, um, I can't remember the number now, we had like 50 
creators from all around the world some had massive youtube channels some really popular faces we had like uh, celebrities there like like brian mcfadden and tour pros like carly booth and people like uh, an amazing day we had spectators down there three or four hundred spectators a really nice day at formby hall out of everybody even me i was hosting the day even me the one person that got pestered and mithered the most for pictures was paul sturges and he was so bloody lovely with it like ridiculously nice like and you think god he get he can't ever hide you know he can't he can't go anywhere incognito like nowhere and to still have that patience and that 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 touch with you know that personal public skills for me makes him the most interesting person i've ever ever met ever spoke to ever film with um so in, in short and then a couple of I've, i filmed with a, a video with nasa hatakocha who's a uh ladies european tour player or i think she's actually a ladies lpga player um hardly spoken a word of english lovely lady absolutely impressive golf ability like unbelievable something that and i've spent time with loads of different tour players but she was the one that really stood out to me. Um, and then who else? There's been loads, but they're the kind of two that, so weirdly as well, NASA Hatchacocha is probably about five foot two and Paul Sturge <laughs> is like seven foot seven. So the contrast is vast, um, but but for both in their unique ways made them, you know, two of the most interesting people I've really filmed with. Awesome. That's cool. What's so impressive about um, Natasha? Uh, NASA Hatchacocha. Easier she, for you to say. Yeah. She, uh, you know what? It wasn't one special thing. It was just, everything was just, you know, like tight. Like everything was just on the money. Like the t-shirts were just incredible. Like super straight and, and really long, you know, again, because of the power input she's putting in. Her iron play was spectacular. She never missed in a bad spot ever all day. Her short game, we were playing at Royal Lytham, so it wasn't an easy golf course. Her short game was just, even if she did ever, ever, ever put it out of place, it was never in a, she never short-sided herself. And then she gave herself the best opportunity to get up and down. Her putting was spectacular. She was, she's just never made a mistake. 18 holes. And she didn't shoot the lights out. She didn't go out and shoot at 62. This was playing in the Pro-Am. But she shot comfortably on the par without, without batting an eyelid without breaking sweat and i just thought wow that is that's ability that is skill that the skill that and it, and it it just looked outrageously effortless that's the thing that really stood out to me um you know we played off the same tees that day and yeah i was hitting it further than her but that was it that was literally the only thing i had on her i could hit it a little bit further than her than her um after that, she absolutely wiped the floor with me. And, and <laughs> honestly, just, just taught me that golf is a, a, a skill game. Yes, you can overpower it. I get it that sometimes. But the skill she demonstrated was just astronomical. Fascinating. We'll have to go and check her out and have a look. Yeah, she's won a few times on tour. We'll have a look. Um, Rick, really conscious of your time. Can you just give us um, sort of the most common mistakes you see amateur golfers make? Maybe two or three, maybe one putting one in there for me, um, just to finish with. Um, a couple of mistakes I see most golfers make. I would say the number one, and it sounds like a really obvious one, I think they overlook the grip. 
I, I feel like too many golfers overlook the importance of grip. And I know that sounds like a really boring answer. And again, going back to my videos, I know when I release a grip video, I know it's not going to do well on views because it's not sexy. It's not appealing. It's not exciting. But again, when I go back on those grip videos after six months down the line, the amount of people gone, you know what? I overlooked this video when it first came out. I've now revisited it. I've now changed my grip and I've pl I'm playing the best golf of my life. Like, and, and it sounds really boring, doesn't it? But it it's like, it's so unbelievably important uh, as is set up. Um, so I think that's number one. I think too many people overlook the fundamentals and I'm, like I say, I'd love to give you more exciting answer but that is the, that is the truth and then putting for me I, you know i'm sure you've said it a million times i think far too many people you know put too much emphasis on online and not pace would you would, um, you as a putting coach would you agree with that i think too many people look for line and just completely forget about pace totally yeah totally i think people get so obsessed with technique and trying to get it perfect that they forget sort of perhaps where the hole is so yeah, yeah pra practical practice gets very much overlooked you know, I did a video with Phil Kenyon a few uh, a couple of years ago and he gave me three points to use in a video and it was super basic. Like it wasn't, it wasn't complex information, but what again, was it? Oh, I can't remember the three points now, start line, pace control, and maybe a apex of the port, something like that. Yeah. It's probably things that he's been saying for donkey's years. Yeah. So I, I, some, so I spent some time with him. I've spent a few times with um, quite a bit of time with Phil Kenyon, but he, um, it was at Woburn. No, it wasn't at Woburn. It was at, um, oh God, what was the golf course? It was where the British Masters won a couple, a couple of years ago. He gave me 15 minutes of his time at the back of the putting green and said, these are the three things. And then what I did then is I kind of basically turned it into layman's terms, a bit like what I said at the start of the video, this podcast, but I like to make information very simple. Now, coming from Phil, I was working with tour pros every day. Obviously, he has the simple side of it, but he also has to be quite complex and, you know, intricate. So I took his information and, and kind of dumbed it down, basically, and gave some really good points about it. Um, probably a video I need to, to look back on. I think it was start line, strike location and pace. So, you know, things that we've, we've, we know, but again, I, I overlook it so much. Here's a really interesting for you, video for you to watch. And these are people listening and, and you could definitely watch it if you've not already. Have you, you've heard of Kyle Berkshire, the long drive guy. Yep. So he's got a YouTube channel now, him and a, a bunch of young lads in America doing some great stuff, really fun content. Weirdly, they've got into like, Kyle Berkshire has got into a circle with uh, Bryson DeChambeau and they've, he put a video out on his YouTube channel. Um, I don't know when this podcast is going to go out, but yesterday, effectively, Carl Barksh's podcast channel, uh, sorry, Carl Barksh's YouTube channel. And it was a video at Bryson DeChambeau's house on his putting green. And Bryson was giving Carl Barksh a putting lesson. Interesting. I, it's a fly on the wall type video. It's not overproduced. It's literally a phone or a camera stuck in the corner. Like you feel like you, you, you shouldn't be in that room. And it is amazing. It's honestly go and check it out after this. Oh, like I say, you you might watch it and, and either disagree with it or whatever it may be, but from for logic and almost weirdly simplicity, and this is coming from Bryson DeChambeau, yeah. the way he simplified the information and you know made it sound logical. It was like, yeah, that bloody makes sense. So and it's a putting video. So you've got a long drive guy 
the longest driver in the world, Carl Berkshire, and Bryson DeChambeau talking about putting, which yeah. <laughs> doesn't make sense. And it's but simple. <laughs> and, but it's a great video. Honestly, get, check it out. I mean, Bryson is an unbelievable putter from 10 feet and in. He's, he's astronomical. And he That's talks good. so much about how he wants to make his putting stroke like a robot. What's the, what's the putting robot called? I can't remember now. Um, what what's the ping one? one? Is it Enzo or something? Or... Um... Well, whatever it is, it's yeah. like it's just like a, a triangular, you know, shape with the arms and the shoulders fixed on a on a fixed pivot, and basically, he just he just turns the um the the axes around the, this pivot, and uh, that's kind of what Bryson DeChambeau is talking about in this putting lesson. It's it's unbelievable, definitely worth checking out. I'll definitely uh, add that to the show notes, as I'll add um, all your your information there, Rick. So, <clears throat> um, I don't think you need to tell us where to find you, like. Google your name and uh, we'll find you. Your podcast is wonderful, yeah, by the way. Maybe don't Google my name. Don't Google your name. <laughs> oh, do you, like the, uh, you never know what comes up. No. Uh, yeah, the podcast is, oh, thank you. No, you know, really fun making it. We kind of touch on golf, but it's not too golfy. Like, again, it, it summarizes how I communicate golf now. It's not, we, we touch on it, but we don't geek out on it. Um, and, and that kind of, I, I, for me, I like that blend. I don't want to get into this rabbit hole where it's too super, super geeky golf. It's not the world that I live in, you know, and that I don't believe the mass amount of golfers. That's not the world that they live in either. So uh, that's kind of where I try and aim my content. Brilliant. Great stuff. Rick, look, thanks so much for coming on. It's a pleasure talking to you and uh, please keep doing uh, what you do.